Hey guys, this is Sadie Patchen. And Dale King. And you're listening to Portsmouth Strong. of the new year is our good friend Amber from 11th Com- uh, Candle Company um, and I'll let you introduce yourself. Yeah, so I started uh, 11th Candle Company. We're a social enterprise. We employ women that have been victims of human trafficking, exploitation, addiction, and abuse. Pretty easy. So yeah. we uh, we first met when we were doing the TED Talk stuff. In um, August? Seems a, yeah. a while ago. Which yeah. that was like, I thought it was like, you show up and you're just going to give a talk. No. That's right. We gave the talk in August, but I think it, like, we started prepping in like January, maybe. It was like all, like, yeah. Like three or four times you had to go to this thing. But um, one of the best things from the TED Talk was getting to meet you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then finding out about what you do and your background uh, and the incredible mission between both the, uh, the nonprofit and um, your for-profit at 11th Candle Co. Um, so if we could, and it's cool because we've got a, a packed house and it's probably the audio quality might be a little shitty on this one, but it's because we've got a lot of stuff going on, but we've got a packed house in here um, and it was important. I'm really happy that you came down today. Yeah. Um, we got to tour the facility here. We got to go to the counseling center um, because a lot of what we're attempting to do between Doc Spartan and the gym, you are already doing it. Yeah, we're working on it. Same as well, you. Yeah. <laughs> Same as you. You're, yeah. you're well far and above what we're doing. So, um, what do, what does a normal, typical employee look like for a candle cutter? Yeah, so it's interesting because when we think of human trafficking, we think of somebody with a needle in their arm, you know, on the side of the road giving out hand drops or blow drops, right? That's kind of what we initially think of when we think of human trafficking. Um, but really, they look just like all the other women that are sitting in this room um, and so that for me when I learned like what do we need to look for when we're looking for human trafficking so is somebody down on, I'm from Columbus Parsons Avenue being trafficked absolutely um, but the average age of somebody that's being trafficked in, in Ohio is 14 and so they look like our teenagers Wow so who who are the ones orchestrating this trafficking organization? Who are the buyers? Who are the sellers? Like, yeah. How does that work? So a lot of the buyers are people that we wouldn't necessarily think are buyers, which are teachers and pastors, um, uh, uh, blue-collared laborers, uh, white-collar laborers. Um, and so it's interesting for Columbus specifically, we're kind of a, a very affluent community um, with, with pockets of poverty. And so we think like, oh, Columbus, like it only happens you know, kind of in the ghetto, but the truth is it really happens in these higher income areas because that's who can afford it. And so similar to drugs, um, where drugs go, people follow because you can use drugs once. Um, I, you can traffic somebody, you know, five, ten times a day. Um, and so unfortunately, as the opioid epidemic has grown, so has human trafficking. And so it's, um, you know, it, it kind of depends upon where you are, what the buyers look like, um, and, and where you are as to, like, who's selling them. So a lot of times, sadly, it's women that are selling them. Um, they kind of bring them in as like this mother figure and then end up selling them um, dotes. Wow. How does this differ, or does it differ, I guess, 
the definition of trafficking is kind of blurry to me. Sure. Like, how does that differ from prostitution? Sure. And so the truth is, is that there are prostitutes. I've met them and I've interviewed them because it, like, fascinated me. I'm like, so you know what you're doing. Um, and the, the, where it really kind of the rubber meets the road is who gets the money, right? So mm-hmm. if you're a prostitute, you get all of your money. If you're being trafficked, you get none of your money, okay. right? And so mm-hmm. it's kind of like force, coercion, mm-hmm. um, you know, manipulation, what's going on with that? Whereas if you're a prostitute, which again, there are there are prostitutes, um, you are out there selling yourself um, in return, you make money, but you control the entire the entire time. Mm-hmm. You control how many clients you service, you, you, you control all that, whereas a woman's being trafficked controls none of that. Right. So a trafficker could be a pimp? Could be, yep. And so that's the really interesting thing about what we've done as a society is that we've really kind of glamorized this, right? Where we've really kind of slapped the word prostitution on everything, and so then it makes it look like she's choosing this. I can tell you that there are a lot of women who who don't want to have sex with their husband, much less want to have sex with thousands of men every year, right? (laughs) We're just calling it what it is, right? And so when we say the word prostitute, we need to be very careful that she is making all those decisions and that it's not out of desperation, that it's not out of needing to feed her kids, that it's not out of needing to feed her drug addiction, right? And so I think that there's a very fine line between between what it, you know, what can we actually truly classify as prostitution? Um, but we like to slap that word on there, and then pimp, right? So we've really glamorized that. There's col- Halloween costumes. Every other rap song has the word pimp in it. Um, you know, I'm gonna pimp slap you, and so we've made it very normal. And so because we've made it so normal, it has become this thing that people don't take so seriously, right? If we really knew what pimps did to women that are being trafficked, you would never let your 14 year old son sing a song about pimp slapping a girl. That's mm-hmm. for sure. So, um, going back, because I do find this kind of area really fascinating and interesting, and I love what you're doing with 11th Coat, um, so to be clear, a trafficker is probably someone who is being, like, fed drugs, given a drug, basically forced into drug addiction, and then someone forcing them to do this to make them money, or to say, like, you don't get more drugs unless you do this. Yeah, so kind like, of it, both both examples that you just gave are okay. perfect examples, right? And so oftentimes they do get them addicted to drugs mm-hmm. in any way that has been around or, I mean, you guys all have been around or affected by it, you'll do anything for that drug, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times it is very drug-driven. Um, and a lot of times the dope boys is, you know, kind of a word that is often used, um, will kind of work to get a whole slew of women, and then he's making money so that he can, you know, feed his habit, but then also grow his business how do you um maybe like to the 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 untrained eye how would I know because my my parents both work in Columbus um I've been to I mean we're all that's pretty local for all of us you know where we go how would we know how to spot that so that's where it becomes a little bit harder, right? Is that we really have to train ourselves to what does it look like. And so you really kind of have to be in somebody's life to be able to identify that. And so if uh, if a 14-year-old is coming back with Louis Vuittons and getting her nails done every other week, and so that's what, be, so they begin to take these women, or children really, and then manipulate them into the setting. So I'm gonna take care of you, I love you, that sort of thing. And so really, to be able to identify on the streets is pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Is somebody standing on the corner, well, yeah. flagging down cars, 
chances are she's not a prostitute. She's being trafficked, right? Now, for sure, the, the reason I say chances are she's not a prostitute is because prostitutes usually use are usually use as like an escort sort of kind of service where they're they have regular clients and so on, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's easy to identify. You see somebody on the street. She got in a car. She's out of a car. Something seems a little bit fishy, right? But for the other kind of trafficking, which is why it's so hard to see, right, is that it's kind of done in darkness and it's done in layering. And so it's not like they like get a girl and they begin trafficking her right away. They get her and then they pour into her, right? Mm -hmm. So then she's carrying this nice purse and then, oh, he really does love me. And, oh, he knows where my mom works. He knows where my dad works, right? A lot of the kids that are trafficked at 14, they're like, why don't we see all these runaways, right? Yeah. It's because they still live at home. Oh, wow. Right? But when they're going to basketball practice, they're actually going to go service somebody before they go to back. To, I mean, it is a fascinating sort of thing. And so that's harder to identify, which is why it's happening. Because we can't, unless people are in other people's lives and really begin to, which is hard, right? Because we're all addicted to our phones, right? Mm -hmm. And so we don't really see what's going on around us, right? That's we don't funny. really know where our kids are right. anymore, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so because we live in this very attached world this falsely attached world it's hard to actually see what's going on around us right so we believe that we're all so connected i have you know 1400 facebook friends we're i'm so connected but yeah. real in reality there's like four people that actually know what goes on in my life mm -hmm. right and so that's where i think we have this false sense of connectedness which leads us to believe that our kids are okay but really our kids are dying yeah which is why the opioid epidemic, right? All of us in this room can speak to the opioid epidemic. It's the exact same thing. That'll never happen in my city. That'll never happen to my son. That'll never happen to my daughter. When the truth is, we're so unattached that it's happening right before our eyes and we don't see it until we're overdosing and, and giving Narcan left and right. And that's when we're like, oh, now it's a really big issue. Mm -hmm. So I know that you touched on this completely in your TED Talk and we will post a link of where people can access your TED Talk because yeah. That was a great experience. I know some of us got to go up, obviously, to listen to Dale, but to the other speakers that were there and just how eye-opening that was to hear. Um, but tell our listeners, like, how did you, why is this so important to you? Yeah, so I'm a nurse by trade. Um, I didn't start out being a candle maker. And I traveled overseas to do medical mission work um, and ended up going to Ethiopia and fell in love with a little girl over there. Um, and one day in broad daylight, I saw these two little girls, about five and seven, and they were blindfolded. And a guy was behind them with a stick, like, like as if they were cattle. And I looked at my translator and I said, what are they doing? And he said, they're being sold. And I said, I'm sorry, what? And he said, they're being sold. And so I asked him like four different ways thinking it was a translation issue. And finally he said, no, they're going to another brothel. They're blindfolded so they can't figure out where they're going. These babies were like five and seven. And I was like, oh, like, oh. I mean, like it literally completely shocked my entire world. Right. And so I came back to Columbus, right? You just, you don't come back the same person. I came back to Columbus and I was Googling three o'clock in the morning. You're either Googling like how long is Jesus's hair or something that's actually <laughs> meaningful, right? <laughs> All of you are going to Google that today. You know, like, how long was his hair, actually? Um, and so um, I Googled Columbus, Ohio's biggest social issue. And it kept coming up trafficking. And I kept deleting it and re-asking this over and over again. Like, like that can't that, be right. Right. That cannot be right. Um, and so I recognized that, 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 that if we didn't change, right? So I wanted to solve a problem before it became my problem. Which I think is part of our problem as as a society is that we don't want to fix a problem until we it becomes wait. our problem. Yeah. And I decided right then and there, I can tell you exactly where I was sitting in Ambo in Ambo, Ethiopia, that I wanted to live in a world where little girls and little boys didn't have to worry about being bought and sold. And so then I came home and I looked at how do we go from being a generation that goes from raped to redeemed? How do we do that? So it seems like a big thing. And what I really fell at was employment. 
right? People need three things to thrive, safe place, safe people, and purpose. And so employment was that purpose piece. Because wow. you're, you're taking women, I mean, literally from some of the, the biggest traumatic experience you could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. And then how, how are they ultimately, you're getting them from the streets until they're the ones that are pouring the candle. How does yeah, that happen? Yeah, so sometimes they are literally from the street and come straight into to, to pouring the candles. What we learned throughout the years is that straight from the streets is not always, they're not always ready for employment. And so what we've done is we've worked with other organizations that have kind of got them to the point of sobriety, that have kind of gotten them to the point where they're workforce ready, um, but maybe not workforce ready where they aren't completely surrounded by people, right? They need people that understand trauma. They need people that understand triggers. They need people to, and so we've really kind of worked with groups of people that get us kind of these like workforce ready um, women so that we're able to kind of continue to put the salve on that wound and continue to help them through to a good healthy place of employment. But yes, we used to get them straight off the streets, and that was a big learning lesson. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Not so, to interrupt you, yeah. but before we move on, because we've done a lot of work with the counseling center yeah. here, um, and that's primarily like drug and alcohol addiction, where do women go that this has happened to them? Like, because personally, we always hear about like rehab, but I don't. I know of zero treatment centers for women of sexual abuse or trafficking or. Yeah. So that's the really interesting thing is that typically, if they're if they have been trafficked, not always, but typically they also have some sort of an abuse background and mm -hmm. also some sort of an addiction background. And so typically they get brought into like your typical kind of your typical kind of recovery. And then um, Columbus has done a really good job through a program called Catch Court. Um, it's, an actual, it's an actual court docket that works specifically with women that have been trafficked to erase all of their solicitation charges. Because even if you're being trafficked and you get picked up at solicitation, yeah. um, which is, I could go on, that, that could be like seven more podcasts. I'm pretty passionate about that. Right. Um, and so what it does is kind of like looking at that court specifically works with women uh, that have been trafficked. But it's, that's a very, it's a great need. Is if, And like Dale said, it's such a traumatic experience to be raped, you know, five, six, seven, ten times a day. Um, and so there's a lot of like trauma work that has to be done, um, which is something that we work with the women through our nonprofit with is, is providing that, that coaching and that counseling that, that, you know, kind of recovering from that traumatic experience, right? Because when you think about it, uh, work is, is an authoritative thing, right? And so if you've always been lorded over, mm -hmm. right, if you've always been oppressed and now you have this, uh, now you have this, uh, this authority figure, for us, it's feet, we're primarily female run. We, we definitely have some men kind of sprinkled in, mm -hmm. um, but if I we were to take this woman and then say, okay, here's your boss, and he's also a male, and then he starts either, you know, making comments that would typically be okay-ish, mm -hmm. and, and so those are the sort of things that we really begin to work with, is, is how do you respond to correct corrections? How do you respond to being tardy? Like, you know, don't lie, don't cover things up, like, here's how you go about, and it is really reworking their entire, and then money, right? right. They've always been traded for money, so your relationship with money is jacked up, right? <laughs> and so teaching them how to use their money the correct way. That's really uh, something, you know, that just is never in the forefront of my mind, like, until pretty much you put it there. I mean, you see shows about it, but that's in, that's in New York. That's in L.A. That's that's in China. That's in China. Where, people yeah, all the Russia time, or where did they, Where did they come from? I'm like... Columbus, Ohio. Your, yeah, your like, backyard. They did not much. come off of a boat, right. right? Not that that doesn't happen. That for sure happens. But a lot of a lot of 
Columbus specifically is domestic is domestic, which is mind blowing. Wow. Yeah. So you decided to <laughs> tackle this massive yeah. issue. Um, you have that going on. I mean, that's that's the foundation of your business. Yep. So let's talk about the business specific itself, because it's like that's you know no walk in the park no. itself. <laughs> running. I uh, feel like I have an MBA at this point. Right? <laughs> like somebody needs to give me one of those, because I feel like if you yeah. yeah. So why why candles? Why the candle business? And talk through some of the insurmountable obstacles to get you where you are today. Sure. So why candles? This part's always really funny. I actually don't like candles. Um, I know everybody's like, so did you just love candles so much? I'm like, no, I don't even really like them. Um, I Googled cheapest company to start. And lo and behold, it's a candle company. <laughs> right um, after you Googled Right after Jesus hair. hair. Yeah. Y'all, if y'all like checked out my Google search history, you'd be like, who is she, right? I'm like Googling like Tupac lyrics and like, you know, Bible verses and, you know, Jesus hair length and, you know. You just never know what you might get with my yeah. Google. I should probably delete that, actually. Not <laughs> no, Clear searches. Um, yeah, and so I, and cheapest company to start was a candle company. And so I really thought, like, this was this was my goal from the very beginning, right? Man, if we can just, you know, sell $20,000 worth of candles a year, mm. woo, we will have done it, right? Which, <laughs> that's how naive I was, um, that that doesn't even cover anything. <laughs> um, and so I laugh because we all in this room can understand that. Yeah. Um, yes. And so really, like, we have hit these, like, these number goals and all these different things that seem really cool, um, opening up retail stores and doing all these different things. Um, but really, for me, I, I will never forget the first time that a woman came in and she, you know, got her car for the first time and when one got an apartment for the first time and when one came in with her year sober um, token. And so, like, for me, once we started hitting those milestones, the rest is just... It doesn't even matter. Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, people are like, oh, sure it does. It's great. Like, all those, like, you know, get tons of awards. You give TED Talks. You do all these different things that seem, like, really fancy. But really, at the end of the day, it's getting to, like, watch somebody get custody of their kid back. Like, that's stuff that, like, we can't replace. And so the business end of it, yep, we started with, you know, 250 bucks and have just grinded our way through. Still grinding our way through, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we're doing well, and we've made some pretty strategic partnerships and, and different things like that, but still just grinding to sell that next candle, right? Mm -hmm. Well, so I think it's a little easier to grind when you're attached to a mission. Oh, for sure. I mean, every every morning we do a thing called Circle, and we light a candle for the women who are still out on the streets, and that's to remind all of us, the women that are in our program, all the way up to the CEO, which is me, that we're not working for the people that are, that are sitting at the table. The people that are at our table, we're the lucky ones. We're working for the women who are still out on the streets. And so we light that candle every day to remind ourselves that we're lighting this so she knows that she can find her way home. I think it's important too that, I mean, we have a nonprofit and a for-profit side here inside the building and you have the same, um, but I think if you want to solve a problem, the best way to do it is through commerce. 100%. Because then it, it you can't, otherwise you're just asking for things. Sure. You're asking for donations where, and for what you do and what we do, we make a physical product yep. that A, provides sustainability and living for the company itself and the employees of it, um, but more important, like we feel it's our mission, we have a responsibility to give back. 100%. Um, and I think that's a key part, you know, for the nonprofit versus for-profit 
the side of the house. Right. So this is how I looked at it. I never wanted to be donor dependent, meaning I never wanted to be like, we will not run if somebody does not give us money. Right. Um, and so that was just me personally, right? Because there's nothing worse than asking people for money. Like, it, like it, it's, it's hard. Um, and so for me, it was like, okay, how do we really make these things work together? How do we make nonprofit, for-profit, and government work together, right? Because the other part of it is getting, like you guys, getting your local government involved, getting your local community involved, getting people to understand that this is an issue so that we vote differently, so that we do these, right? And so for us, it was creating this for-profit arm and then creating a nonprofit arm that allows us to operate, right, that allows us to do what one of the big components of our what we're all about is education and so it's going into schools and educating right one of our goals this year is to have billboards that say see something say something and have the anti-human trafficking number on it right and so the way that we do that is by the for-profit and nonprofit working together right if we have a killer year somebody was like what are you going to do with all of your profits i said i hope I hope I get to a point where we have $25 million of profits and I have to decide if I'm going to buy a yacht or put up billboards. <laughs> I hope we have that problem. Right. Like, I hope I'm challenged with that and I have to actually test my integrity. I hope that we get to that point. Right? Right? Like, I'm not like, you know, in, in you know, Turks and, you know, just <laughs> getting my suntan on. That, like, we're, so that's the goal is the more profitable we, we become, the more that we can aid the nonprofit. I would, you know, watch it go the other direction, right? Watch it where the, the nonprofit is helping sustain the, the or the for profit is helping sustain the nonprofit. And so I hope we have that problem. Um, go ahead. Sorry. How long have you been in business? Three years. We just turned three in December. And I mean just average, how many women have you been able to help? Actually I just had a count the other day, so twelve. How many but, employees do you have? How many people work for you? So that's a skewed kind of question because we retail associates, so it makes it seem like we're a huge company, uh -huh. but a lot of them only work like five, six, seven, eight hours. Okay. So we're, you know, in the 20s at, for, for that. So that just makes wow. So I like to lay that disclaimer that it makes us sound like we're huge, but it's because we have to piecemeal all these shifts together. Yeah. Um, and so the reason we believe in going broad and deep, right? So we believe in hitting all the broad issues, but we also believe in going deep with our employees. And so once you're with us, you're with us. And so I've always said this, because everybody's like, well, how long are people in your program? Until they're ready, right? And so for us, and I, I, I mean this full-heartedly, if we only employed woman, one woman next year, but we got her fully off of her feet, it's enough. Right. And so I think that like that's that's where we really kind of like where we differ from a lot of other social enterprises, specifically in Columbus, is that we really go deep with the people that we work with. And I think that's important too is, I mean, before I started all this, it was like people would talk about getting involved in your community or trying to serve your community. Well, that term alone, community, seems like such a big, massive thing, when in reality, like your community is you and your neighbor. 100%. And I, yeah, I think the people are like, uh, so I obviously traveled over to Africa and all this stuff and people were like, you have like the coolest life. Like, you know, like you run this nonprofit and for-profit and you're over in Africa and you're doing all those things. I think that people miss that like their mission field or like their community or where they're supposed to make the most of impact, amount of impact is what's between your two feet. Right? So it's sending text messages to somebody that you know is having a hard time. It's unbelievable. People think that like I do these really cool things, and so like, oh my gosh, that must be like like that like you're just killing it in life. And really, honestly, those things like suck your life. They don't give you life. What gives me life is having coffee with somebody, and like I just had coffee with somebody that I went to nursing school with. I haven't seen her in forever, and we were just talking about like the struggle of like just being. And she's like, but Amber, like you're killing it in like all forms of life, and da 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 da. And I'm like, don't let 
our company's social media fool you and that like it's all it's all roses <laughs> and butterflies right like and we try to be very real in our in our company's social media and stuff like that but I think that people get this idea of you know well you're speaking on these stages and you're on this podcast and you're in this magazine and you're on the news like but what everybody doesn't see is all the hustle that it took to get there right and so everybody in this room understands that but the listeners may not and that like they don't see me up at two o'clock in the morning sending emails and they don't see me you know for the last three years literally speaking at every mops groups possible that's how you get on a ted talk stage right you hone your skill and you and you hustle 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 i'll still be hustling in five years right not to mention people <coughs> don't realize how much energy and it and it does come as like second nature but just caring for other people when oh. you're trying really hard to like care about yourself take care of your own problems and then you're taking on sure how many i mean 12 women you know or however many women as, as many as you can right you know and just the the effects that that can have on your psyche trying yeah. to help with other people you yeah. know and that's really hard and you really are killing it <laughs> yeah so so that's interesting because um last year around this time i kind of hit like the lowest point that i'd ever hit um, and recognized that I was essentially like killing myself at the stake of this company, which Stress. made absolutely no sense. Mm -hmm. um, and so I put myself into 18 months of intense therapy. EM, it's called EMDR therapy. Um, and made and I made a priority to do yoga and I made a priority and what happened is that I became better and I became better our company became better and I led by example and so not it's like everybody in our company from CEO to women in our program like counseling is something that we that we so they watch me leave in the middle of the day it's super inconvenient for me super inconvenient for them but I leave in the middle of the day to go to counseling because by example I will lead that we have to take care of our own stuff right it's sometimes really difficult for people to understand that in order to help somebody, you have to help yourself first, and you gotta make sure that you are taking care of. That's why they tell you on the airplane to put your own oxygen on first, right? <laughs> yeah. like, there you go. Totally. You, if you don't, you're not you're not gonna make it to your third baby because right. you're gonna be dead, right? Like, right? And so that's why they tell you to do that. I mean, that's. We we were just actually in a a group counseling session earlier this morning. And they opened it up and they talked about, let's talk about what healthy relationships look like. Yeah. And so everybody's talking like, well, my relationship with my wife or my husband, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with my friends, relationship with God. And they all talked about what toxic relationships look like yeah. and what healthy relationships look like. Um, and then they asked us to speak about the CrossFit side of it at the very end. And the key component, as I said, the most important relationship that you need to cultivate is with yourself. Because a lot of times, you know, we see that people are very toxic in the language and the self-talk that they tell themselves. 100%. And then, you, and then you're expected to go be a good partner or a good yeah. wife or husband or a good friend. Well, if you're not even giving, like, telling yourself loving and positive things, then you can't expect that to do that to others. And I think that's a key component is, you know, people like yourself who are very giving and very generous to other people, you have to be generous to yourself first yeah, in absolutely. order, you know, in order to do that for others. And I mean, I the only person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with is yourself. Right. Like, that's it. Like, I just went on vacation in November by myself. Like, there was literally not, and I enjoyed it because I like me, mm -hmm. right? And I don't really give a shit if anybody else likes me or doesn't like me. Like, I'm, like, fine with myself, yeah. right? Other people, I feel like that would be pure torture for them. Like, here, go to the beach by yourself 
for five days. Mm-hmm. I feel like other people would be like, I can't do that. Like that's. I mean, there's some people like, you're. How are you gonna do that? I'm like, I'm gonna get myself on the plane mm-hmm. with my earbuds because I don't like other people, and I'm gonna sit down and like. Right? And so it, it's learning how to be by yourself because only when you can learn how to be by yourself can you learn how to be with other people. Whether that be a partnership, whether that be a business partnership, whether that be whatever that is, like that's the only. And not that I've like nailed this by any stretch of the means, mm-hmm. but I work every single day on that like every single day on like how do I become better because the truth is people are watching you Dale they're watching me they're watching you like they're watching people are watching you how do I know that people are watching you because I'm watching you right and so you can best believe that somebody's watching me and for sure because of our roles people are watching us Mm -hmm. well that's kind of a point I was going to make because you said you lead by example and like you want your girls to get counseling to you know meditate to do yoga and I was just thinking like what motivates me watching him and you know I watch Dale do he's a leader if Dale doesn't think that CrossFit is important or health is important then I'm going to that's going to be like a trickle system you know and then oh I can skip that today he did you know it's fine and he looks fine so I'll be it'll be fine and I just think like you and it's not always easy even like stepping down from Dale as a trainer with clients like you don't think people like you said are watching you or but it's like hey she hit her workout I'm going to make sure I get in there and hit mine and posting to social media I hate it like especially like when it's like fitness related or things like that but it's like it's good because that's going to get one more person in the gym today Mm -hmm. or one more person to class or or whatever it might be going and talking at the counseling center I got a new client you know what I mean Mm -hmm. in the in the class today based off of what we said and the message that was received by her. So I just think that that is huge and people don't realize that the impact, well, I'm not that important or I'm not, you know, like you said, nobody's watching me. And that's like the biggest misconception that you can have on yourself. Sure. I think the flip side of that is that everybody's been like, oh my God, everybody's watching me. Stop being so narcissistic. Okay. Um, and (laughs) yeah, right. And, and that doesn't mean that like you can't slip up and fall. Right. Right. It's not about falling. It's about rising. Right. Mm -hmm. It is nothing to do with the fall. And and the fact is if you're going to play in the arena, you're going to fall. It's all about how you rise. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so what are some, real quick tips that you could give to that girl or guy out there listening um, you know either wants to start a nonprofit wants to start a business or just basically sees a problem and wants to make it better yeah so I firmly believe in your why so you have to have a why because it is going to test you to a place that you've never been tested before and you have to continue to go back to that why, right? So mine was Mulu, the little girl over in Ethiopia. So when I felt like I wanted to die, I remembered that there were a hundred different little Mulus, right? And that it was that, that I was called or for whatever reason to help this situation. Um, I think second to that, you've got to you've got to do your own work first. So I did it kind of opposite. I kind of went in super naive and then got smacked in the face. I mean, like I was in a really really super low point. Um, and then I had to like claw my way out while running a business, while having people watch me, while all these different things claw my way out. Um, and so I strongly suggest that people do their own work before they do this because it will bring it out in you. So you can either go into it uh, prepared and battle ready or you can go into battle and come back out bloodied and nasty and disgusting and still have to work your way through it. Um, and so I strongly suggest that they do that on the front side. 
Um, the good news is if you don't do it, it makes for good stories. So you, know, <laughs> you can not listen, which you probably won't, and then you'll and then you'll be like, oh, I remember that one time that girl said that, and now I'm doing that exact same thing. Um, and then I think last to that is that you surround yourself with good people, but you surround yourself with truth tellers, right? So how many people will tell you, Dale, and me, Amber Runyon, oh, you are the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? Like, oh, you are so cool, right? And you're going to come in here, and Renee's going to be like, dude, you suck. You need Renee's in your life, yeah. right? You have to surround yourself with people that aren't impressed by you, right? Because you can find a whole world of people that are impressed by you, right? That doesn't mean she doesn't respect you. She, of course she respects you. She's your business partner. But the truth is you have to surround yourself by people that are not impressed by you, right? Absolutely. Like, I gave a TED Talk, and, my, like, some of my people were like, that was definitely not your best speech. And I was like, you're right, right? Like, you surround yourself with those kind of people because they're your truth tellers. That's awesome. So we've... Uh no idea how to like uh, steer this conversation anywhere I mean it's good it's, and we appreciate you being here yeah. um, we've done some stuff in the past together uh, we we uh, all the candles on the website are made by 11th Candle Co and um, you know earlier we had a, a meeting today and we're pretty pumped to hopefully do some more work together uh, in the future especially yeah, for sure. um, we'll always carry your candles and um, we can see what we can do for you guys uh, on pumped. our end. Yeah, we're pumped about um, it. And I think it's just, that's another lesson for everyone out there is like, find people, because they're few and far in between. For sure. Who are like aligned with your same vision. Yep. Uh, might just be different ways to get there, um, but find those people, hang on to them. Yeah. Like we were saying earlier, it's like, I only you yeah, you're understand. literally the only person I remember from Ted. Like, <laughs> I was like racking my brain about like other people's names, and I like. I don't. But that's the that's, to make that point though is that once you know who you are, it's so easy to find your tribe because you're like, oh, right. <laughs> so like when Dale and I met, it was like, oh, hey, yes, like where have you been, like brother, like you know what I mean, like oh hi, like it was, and so but but Dale knows who he is, and I know who I am, and I know what I believe in, and he knows what he believes in, and so we didn't have to muddle through this like awkward small talk to figure out that we don't even know who we are. Therefore, we don't know who we want to hang out with, right? And so the, the sooner you can do that as an entrepreneur, the better your partnerships are, right? Because you know who you are, therefore you know who you're going to work well with, right? Like, I'm not going to work well with somebody that wears a suit every day. I'm just not. So good news, I work with people like Dale who wear sweatpants too, right? So that I wore <laughs> jeans today because I thought I'd class it up a little bit. But, um, but that's, then you begin to figure out who your tribe is. And it's easier to assemble, it, to assemble that tribe of people because you know who you are and you're not operating out of this like really weird place that nobody actually knows who they are. And so everybody's just trying to figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. Right? And, and once you find them, lean on them. Yeah, for sure. So then that's when you're like, you're having a bad day and you're like, we suck so bad. But you, when you really don't, right? But you just feel that way. And you shoot a text to somebody and you're like, man, I just feel it. And then I send you a text back and I'm like, yeah, I just ordered like 10,000 extra labels. We both suck, right? <laughs> and so then, it, the, then the suck doesn't hurt so bad, right? You're just like, oh yeah, that's right. Like, or hey, like I'm having a killer, a killer sales week. I hope you are too. Or oh my gosh, I found this new, this new platform. Like you guys should check it out too. And so that's how you really kind of cultivate those relationships. Is that you? But you, but the truth is, you have to know who you are before you can find your tribe. Or otherwise, you're just gonna be like this lost little person that's just going from tribe to tribe, not being able to figure out where they fit in because they don't know who you don't know who you are. Damn. Um, how can somebody from, you know, how, how somebody can help, how can we be involved? 
obviously buy candles. Yeah, so it's really interesting in that people always ask that question. And for us, it's kind of hard because if we did a volunteer program, then we'd take the hours away from people that need employment. And so really, it truly is just buy candles, but become educated. So do when you're up at night, Google how long Jesus' hair is. But then also Google, like, you know, and it doesn't have to be human trafficking. It can be addiction. It can be... Uh, foster care it can be whatever but find whatever it is that's lighting on fire and then learn about it like learn about it 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 and then you'll be able to figure out where you are right so you don't necessarily have to create a new lane run in your lane whatever that is and figure out a way to like put to use those time to use those talents um, to make those different things work for you yeah so best way to support um, 11thcandleco.com that's right um, and that and it sounds cliche or even might sound cheesy because I have this same problem too. It's like, well, how can I'm like, honestly, dude, Fire the best products. thing to do is like, we got some deodorant for sale. Yep. Um, every time that you buy, every time that you spend a dollar, you cast a world, you cast a vote for what kind of world you want to live in. So every time you spend a dollar, you casting that you want to live in a world where people can get fair chance employment, both at Doc Spartan and at 11th Candle Company. So you're gonna buy a gift anyways for Aunt Sally who you really don't like. So buy her a candle. Right? Somebody stinks at the gym, you're tired of them smelling at the gym, buy them some deodorant and leave it in their locker. Yeah. Right? And it's and it's really as it's simple as that. That's simple. But yeah. people want it to be so much harder, right? Like, oh I want it like no, it's really simple. Just buy things. Well, um, thank you for coming down here. Yeah. Not too many folks so make that trip to it's always it like nice. we're going to Columbus, we'll stop by. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it was nice. I but mean it was seriously from the yeah. bottom of our hearts we and and you can tell by the participation in the room yeah. um we like podcast or no podcast it was just really awesome yeah no i love being that's what that's the thing about your tribe like once you find your people you find your people like you guys could come up at the shop and it'd be the exact same way like all of us would be sitting around we'd be picking <laughs> each other's brains it'd be all the same thing so but we uh we thank you and we love you and yeah. seriously you guys um be on the lookout for for stuff that we're going to do together yep both um, ways and more importantly go to 11thcandleco.com Grab some candles for everyone <laughs> in your tribe. And, like, be, uh, like, be the Oprah. Right? Yeah. Be the Oprah. <laughs> you, get a, you get a candle, and you get a candle, and you get a deodorant. <laughs> you get a candle, right? But we thank you and we love you so much. Right, thank you. Uh, uh, thanks, you rock. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. This is awesome. Cool that was easy. Yeah. That was even on my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Wait till I tell my people I got a podcast. <laughs> 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 <laughs>